episode 109. I'm Forrest Tall. I'm here with Charity Hall. This is Real Church Matters, where we talk Real Church Matters because Real Real Church Church Matters. Matters. How are you, Charity? I'm great. You're great? I think I'm great, too. I know you're great. You think I? All right. And God is good. (laughs) So housekeeping. (laughs) Real Church Matters. You can search it on Google. You can go to realchurchmatters.com. Get the episodes there. You can search uh, podcast app, Real Church Matters. Once you find us, like us, subscribe to us, rate us, give us five stars if you so feel, or one star if you so feel. Search on SoundCloud. (laughs) Search Real Church Matters. Listen to it. Share it with your friends. Last week's episode was great. It was super great. I listened to it like four times. And not to say that all the episodes aren't great, but for some reason, at this current phase of my life, the hard work episode was super great, and I listened to it all week long. And that's saying something. I think it's definitely a timeless message. No matter what time in life you're going through, it is a good message. It is. And speaking of that, this time last year, <laughs> we uh, had a message uh, called "Keep my Keep my name in your mouth." So it doesn't sound like what you think. We're talking about our mission to proclaim the gospel should be the conversation on the Christian's tongue. So it's kind of talking about gossiping, kind of talking about proclaiming the gospel, kind of talking about the fact that most Christians don't proclaim the gospel. It's a lot of that in there. That one was with my uh, dear sister, Antoinette. And then two years ago was one of my favorite podcasts, The Dearly Departed. And I love that podcast. I think in that podcast, I actually cried then. So if you ever didn't, you know, never heard me cry before. At the end of that podcast, I, I gave some tears. But it's not thinking about what you think it is. The Dearly Departed was talking about uh, how we should look at ourselves as dead to the world and alive in Christ. And in that way, we're the daily departed. So uh, it wasn't talking about grieving. Or, um, but it was talking about dealing with the loss of yourself. So it's a pretty cool episode. Um, and that's two years ago, but it's one of those timeless ones, I think, as well. So go back and listen to those. And then closing out, if you would like to support the podcast... <laughs> Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. Uh, You can give as little as $1 a month. That's $12 a year. And it really benefits us and helps us uh, to continue to do the podcast at a quality that I I think it deserves and using the tools that I think deserve to be used for it. Nothing worse than hearing these optimal, beautiful sounding podcasts and they're talking about the filthiest of things. And then when you go to search for a God-centered podcast, it sounds like two people with tin cans and a string attached to it. <laughs> so I, I think that conversations about God should be of the utmost quality as well, since we're talking about our absolutely awesome God. I agree. Amen. It yeah. should be done in excellence. It should be. So I try to. And I think as Christians, we kind of get away of uh, away from doing things in excellence. 
like just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we don't have to put forth effort. Effort. And we think that just because we're not doing it for money, that that frees us from the the mandate or the call for excellence. Mm-hmm. Seems like the only way we want to be excellent is when it um, profits us in some way. But uh, yeah, I want Real Church Matters to be a podcast that really re- resonates ex- excellence. All right, so moving on. <laughs> so moving on. Uh, I want to always remember this obedience over audience. Haven't been saying that in a few episodes, but it's always obedience over audience. Really? You missed a few episodes? A lot of episodes are saying it. It's my it's my mantra. I stick to it. My new mantra on social media is redeeming the timeline. Kind of playing with the scripture. <laughs> redeeming the time. But redeeming the timeline. So, you know, sir, you can check us out, Real Church Matters, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You'll They all disseminate the same information. So, today... Episode 109, what in the world are we going to talk about? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Not sure. You know what you want to talk about? Well, we started talking about it earlier. What? And I told you to pause since we were oh, supposed yeah, to be yeah. recording the See, podcast. That's, that's it. That's it right there. I, I drew a blank. So what was that, Charity? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about... How, especially in the um, the day and age where we often listen to people talk, inspirational speakers, motivational help books, um, marriage counselors, like it has all become a, a industry where people don't mind giving their money. However, these people flip and exploit the already... Um, highly exploited uh, faith mm-hmm. and they twist it to um, to something other than what it what it is intended to be. So they'll use a, a portion of truth to grasp your attention and appeal to your senses and then they'll flip it. Hmm. So let's take this in reverse then. Let's ask ourselves the question what should be the focus of the 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 the, the minister because I think that there is there is a, a space of people who are inspirational speakers. They never proclaim to be uh, ministers of the gospel, but we're talking about those who are ministers of the gospel who speak what is deemed to be the gospel, but it is more inspirational. And some may say, "Well, isn't?" isn't the purpose of the church to inspire. And I would submit to you and say, and Charity may not agree with me, <laughs> uh, but I would submit to you and say that the, the, the mission of Jesus Christ was not to inspire. It, it, I don't think it was. It was to change what we aspire to. Yeah. It was to change what we desire to be. And I think that even when he first came and he's like, hey guys, uh, you know, blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. He, he's letting us know the blessed things, mm-hmm. the things that God finds favor in, the things he approves of. He was letting us know what to be and why to be it all in one sentence. 
You look at Matthew chapter five. That's where the Beatitudes are. You read these and he's there, the Beatitudes, because he's saying, if you operate in this attitude, you will be favored or blessed or approved of by God. I like the fact that you used aspire instead of inspire, because when I think of inspire, it's um, something that is supposed to produce something Mm. versus aspire is you see someone and you want to example your life behind that or whatever, whatever work behind that. Yeah, because inspire is like I, I should produce something, but what I produce is subjective to my inside because it's inspired Mm -hmm. you can say something and it inspires different things in people Mm -hmm. but when you say we all should aspire to something what we should be has been set before us Mm -hmm. and he's saying this is what you should want to be Mm -hmm. it's not left up to you anymore and i think that that ultimately is the role of the minister and those who seek to use social media or to use the internet to disseminate a message that supposedly happens in their church. The question is, are what are they causing us to aspire to? Yeah. And so we heard a specific clip today from a specific pastor. And just so I don't deviate people's focus, <laughs> I won't even go into what they were or what they was talking about. But I will say what he was speaking to could inspire someone to not aspire to be like Christ. Yeah. But it could inspire them to aspire to something that separates them from Christ. And while it is inspiring, what it aspires them to be is not pleasing to God. I think of naturally good and evil. Mm. And we can be inspired by both Mm. we can be swayed because all inspiration is is you being swayed in a direction yeah ignited or pushed yeah Yeah. so we can be pushed in either direction yeah regardless of who you are and what you believe in there is something that can inspire you in the opposite of what you believe i love that because we can't uh we, we sanctify words sometimes. Mm-hmm. And inspirational is a sanctified mm-hmm. word. You know, it's to the point where you go in a music store. Well, music stores don't exist anymore. <laughs> but you used to be able to, and there was a section called inspirational. Mm-hmm. That was used in a label term, but in a positive light. Even now, radio stations still go by inspirational stations, yeah. inspirational music. and But all music is inspirational. Yeah. All music is inspiring mm-hmm. and inspiring us to aspire to something. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, back in the day, I'm showing my age, but <laughs> there was a rapper. His name was Young Jeezy. I think it's Jeezy now. But uh, his albums used to be called The Motivation. Maybe mm-hmm. one, Motivation 101, 102, 103. Mm-hmm. And he felt like that's what his goal for the music was, to motivate mm-hmm. people. To motivate him to what? Well, he was deemed the snowman. <laughs> he, he wanted to motivate the street hustler to do street things. He didn't have make any qualms about this, but every artist and every person is inspiring people exactly. to aspire to something. 
Mm-hmm. And we have to start asking ourselves, when we as the gatekeepers of God's word and the gatekeepers of churches, it's almost getting to the point where we need a Yelp review. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we need a we need to be critical of the word. Mm-hmm. I know people feel like it's too many critics in the church, but we're not being critical in the way we should. Mm. In the terms of the Bereans in the Bible, they were said to hear the word and then take that word and research it and read it and be critical. Yeah. What were they looking for? They were looking if this word did its job. The job of the word is to inspire us to aspire to a life pleasing to God. It's calling us to aspire to a life that looks like Christ. But their intentions were different than the intentions of people today. So the intentions of people today are to find a way to validate what they want to do, to confirm and put a blessing on what what actions they want to do. Mm. So almost like they come to church looking for the leaders to inspire them in what they already are yes, inspired. Yes, uh, already in, birthed inside of them. Hmm. I think that goes perfectly with the scripture that tells us in the last day, men would be lovers, lovers of themselves. themselves. You, do, you want Absolutely. to find people whose words inspire more love of you. Yes. Instead of inspiring more love of God. Mm-hmm. That's, wow. It's, it's nasty in the fact that we are commiserate or participating in people's love of self mm-hmm. in that way. If you look at anything that is a growing industry right now, it is surrounded around self-love. Self-love. Whew. Man. But <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. so, this is interesting, though, because... I think that very quickly in the podcast, we've exposed the, the hugest dilemma is that it's a it's a industry becoming an industry of self-love and the church is slowly melding into a church about self-love. Mm-hmm. And is that is that a real church if the no, church because it said that for God so loved the world that he Gave his only begotten son. Mm-hmm. So if he loved us beyond himself, because that's that that was something formed from him. Mm-hmm. The, the, Jesus was the word made flesh. Mm-hmm. So that was who he, he was. Mm-hmm. And he put in fleshly form so that he could sacrifice that for us. Mm-hmm. If that's not the greatest love, and we should example ourselves from the greatest love. Yeah. How can we say that we are ex- expelling the greatest love by loving ourselves hmm. in this vain form? So let's flip this then, because somebody would say, well, Charity, you know, we, we ain't supposed to love ourselves. No, no, no. You're supposed to. No, 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 no. 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 <laughs> That's, it's just a, a new segment. No, 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 no. With Charity Hall. <laughs> You're definitely supposed to love yourself through God's love. Hmm. What does that look like? What does what does self-love look like to the believer? Long suffering? Because we have this 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 whole thing where just for a second, 
the scripture says in the last days will be lovers of self. Mm-hmm. That scripture alone sounds suspect to the person who's subscribed to the idea of loving self. We should love all things good. And and God laid everything out that was good. Mm-hmm. Kindness, meekness, long-suffering. All of these things is what we should love. But not, none of those things come of self. No. There, there are some things in that chapter of Galatians 5 that are reflective <laughs> of the self. Yeah. Those things are lying, mm-hmm. cheating, lust, mm-hmm. anger, rage, wrath, jealousy. These things come of the self. Mm-hmm. The self that we are protecting, the self that we are loving, the self that not that we, uh, the higher self that we should be becoming. That's what you're talking about. Is this this we should be teaching the higher self? Aspiring. It should be what what people have been accustomed to is maintaining who they are, and not inspiring and growing into who, who they, they should, be. should be. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So beautiful. We're gonna say it again. We just say it again. <laughs> say it again. Say it again. People say. are accustomed to maintaining who they are. <sighs> Instead of inspiring to be who they should be let in me, Christ. Let me tell you why that's beautiful. Because everything about self-care is self-preservation. Mm-hmm. We can actually fix it. Lovers of selves are protectors of selves. Yep. Lovers of selves are keepers of selves. Mm. Lovers of selves are preservers of selves. Mm. That's all he's saying. He said, that in order for you to love me, you would have to kill yourself. Mm. That's he nasty. Said, he said, the one who saves his life loses it. The one who loses his life saves it. Mm-hmm. He's letting you know the minute you are trying to preserve or maintain or upkeep what you already have, you miss out on what he's trying to give you. Yeah. You miss out on life when you're trying to upkeep something that's dying daily. So when we come to church and we're looking for the ministers and the teachers and the elders and the the uh, the talkers to feed us something that helps us preserve what we love about ourselves, we never realize that in order to love God, we have to lose everything we love of self. Mm. And no one wants a church like that no more. No. No one wants that. Why would I want to get rid of the things that keep me Satisfied. Satisfied. Why would because I, it, it, it's a certain amount of discomfort that comes from giving up the things that you're used to. Yeah. And people aren't willing to do that hard work anymore. Yeah. They aren't willing to go beyond what's comfortable for yeah. them. When I challenge myself in that way, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm presented with some issues. So I will bring up what this pastor said. Because he's, I will bring it up because it goes along with what we're saying. Mm -hmm. He says that if you get married and you lose I and me for the sake of us and we, then the marriage can't work. He said, because at some point you're going to have to be you. And he says, you, you, the person has to learn that if you forsake I and me for the sake of us and we, you, you might thrive at a marriage, but at the sake of losing yourself. And I think ultimately this the reason why I am going to bring up that subject matter is because he's teaching something that doesn't even go, doesn't even help you in your marriage with God. 
Mm-mm. See, in your marriage with God, it has to always be us. And we. And we. I'm no longer a, an individual inside of Christ. Yeah. But people connect what they do mm. to who they are. And when they, If I'm married, mm, mm, mm. That, that isn't my identity. Yeah. That is part of what I do. Like, I, I am a wife. That is part of my duty. I am a mother. That is part of my duty. But that isn't who I am. Right. Who I am can only come from me and Christ. Yeah. But that's not what they're uh, ascribing to. And I think the individuality is something we try to preserve. And mm-hmm. I think that goes with us self-preservation. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of melding with God and trying to be spiritual, spirituality cannot thrive where you are still trying to preserve individuality. Absolutely. As long I had to learn this, as long as I was trying to maintain what I presumed to be my identity, I never received my identity in Christ. As long as I thought I knew what force was, the more God was pushing on me to be what he called me to be is the more I rejected it. I wanted God, but I wanted him on my terms. What was my mm-hmm. terms? Give me all you have, but take nothing away from me. Mm. So when he was pressing on my heart to teach, mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it because it didn't match what I deemed to be my identity. My identity was I didn't want nothing to do with God. Then I found a place for him in my life <laughs> because it, it, wow. situations in life and tough times mm-hmm. come. You, you tend to find a place for God mm-hmm. where you didn't. But I never understood how to fit him totally in my life and not lose any part of me. Wow. I think that led to a lot of my dysfunction spiritually. They ended up spiritual dysfunction also can be synonymous with and called mental illness. Yeah. When you compartmentalize the uses of things, I I believe in God because he helps me have some sort of peace about something that I'm going through. Yeah. But I'm not going to allow him to have any other portion of my life. It's the double-mindedness mm-hmm. that causes us to be unstable in all our ways. Yeah. My instability was I was trying to be set in me but I'll take all of me and set it in God. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, nah, no. Nah. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What is he saying? He's, if you listen to that, you got to listen to it. He's saying greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So you either are in the world. Or you in him. Or you're in him. It's not talking about greater is the God that's in me. God is not trying to be in you. He's trying to get you to be in him. Mm -hmm. Why does that matter for us? Because I I got God in me. I know you got God in you. But until you get yourself in God, you will do not reach that wholeness. Because you still are, you still identify as who you are. Yeah. Your identity needs to change. And to who God is. Let's put it this way. You can't ask God to move into your house. When you get married to God, you got to move in with him. Mm -hmm. I know it will be easier. (laughs) God, my house is nice. I think you'll like it here. Let's start our family here. (laughs) 
No, he's like, no, in order for you to really be married to me, you need to pack up your things and come and move with me. (laughs) And that's the choice. I was trying to move God in with me. Mm. I made a spot for him. I told him he could have a guest room. I'll make sure it's comfortable. (laughs) He'll be able to enjoy himself. But that is trying to find spirituality and not at the sake of my individuality. I wanted to be the same funny for us. I wanted to maintain the personality. I wanted to maintain all of my idiosyncratic ways of thinking. Mm. I wanted to keep all of that. And that whole time, he's saying, let this mind be in you. That's also in Christ Jesus. He's saying, uh, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ that lives mm-hmm. within me. He's saying all of these things. To let you know that you can't be in you. Can't be in you. You can't. You can't. You can't say you died to Christ and you spend the rest of the week after Sunday resuscitating you. Mm. I mean, just doing the compression, breathing back in. Once you get you back breathing, you be ready to go until you go ahead and run yourself down to the ground. Come back to Jesus and say, "I'm ready for you. I'm dead." No, you're not dead. You mm. never wanted to be. And that's the part that we're trying to understand, but we're not reconciling with. And it's poison is that we are lovers of selves. The same self we hate, we hate to leave. Mm. We'll hate it, but we won't leave it. The Stockholm same thing Syndrome. that led Eve to bite the apple. Well, that fruit. The fruit, yeah, because it get people all riled Okay, out. I'm not going to say the apple. The fruit. Did she even bite it, though? She might have just nibbled it. Uh, whatever you know, be, you know, we have those anyways. Words. Anyways, is lover of herself. She wanted to know good and evil. Yeah, just as God did. I was tempted with something that benefits me, mm-hmm. but not God. Mm-hmm. Satan is always playing on my love of self mm-hmm. and my desire to do anything that benefits me. Anything that benefits me. Even the thing that hurts us, as long as we know it benefits us, we'll do it. That's why we go to the gym. Oh, I'm hurting. (laughs) I'm in pain. But as long as I know it benefits me, I'm in it 100%. Don't make me do something that I am is hurting me. But I don't see how it benefits me. And we try to sell. This is a problem. We try to sell people on the fact that operating and engaging in holiness and wholeness and operating in obedience to God benefits them. But it doesn't benefit them by preserving them. They would have to be interested in no longer loving self. Mm-hmm. No longer loving self. That's the, I think that's the, the saddest part is that even in the confounds of the church, I, I was having a conversation with someone in church and they was like, hey, man, you need to make sure that you take a <laughs> vacation sometimes. <laughs> and you make sure that you... You know, just enjoy yourself. You don't always have to be work, work. And I'm like, can I get a scripture to reference this? Honestly, because (laughs) in my head, I'm like, you may feel like you're entitled to a vacation. You are entitled to a break. But every time I operate or exercise that part of my mind, Mm -hmm. I understand it. I'm going to always feel like I deserve something that I might not receive because it's not to the benefit of God. Oh, okay. Okay. I get it. 
I was about to say, hey, minister, what you trying to say now? We're not supposed to go on vacation. I'm saying that when we are constantly demanding or feeling entitled to. That there should be a reward to when my you hard work, work hard. Absolutely. I, I we missed it. it. The reward is that God is pleased and glorified mm-hmm. in all things. And I might not always feel rewarded in my work, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that my work is not rewarding. So uh, I think we often miss that the the greatest reward that is spoken about in the Bible is the one we are waiting for. Exactly. (laughs) Desperately we groan. He said the, the, the world, the earth groans in anticipation for the glory of the Lord. Is we, we, we are not no longer the church that is looking towards or for to the heavenly reward. We're the church that's looking into right now and saying, when's payday coming? Mm. And we know how we want to be paid. You know, when we go to work, we be like, hey, I don't care if you do it by cash. App. <laughs> I don't care if you do it by check or money order. This is how much I'm due. I would like it in cash, please. As long as I'm able to access it so I can use it. Exactly. And when it comes to God, you can tell him to give it to you. But what he's trying to give you can't be cash apt. It doesn't fit in a bank account. It cannot be wired. You cannot ACH it. You cannot direct deposit it. <laughs> the only way you're going to get this reward is by transitioning from the body and flesh to spirit and eternity. Mm-hmm. But that's not the focus. As long as the focus is not eternity, we will always be in a place where we are we are longing for something we don't receive. Because he's looking for us to be these spiritual beings who are looking and connecting to this higher self. So to, to get back to the point of lovers of selves, mm-hmm. I encourage you all to love your spiritual self enough to no longer love your physical self. Yeah. I encourage you all. We've been talking, this is like almost like a continuation of hard work. Yeah. But it it, it gets to the point where you want to go get your nails done, pamper yourself. (laughs) I love that. I love doing that. You want to go take a vacation, pamper yourself. Go ahead. I, I promise you. But with every equal amount of vigor, and desire and passion, you should find ways to pamper your spirit. You should find ways to tend to your spirit and care for your spirit. And ultimately, when we come to church, it should be the spa for the spirit. (laughs) It should be, but it's not. You come to church and it's the pampering and the caring and attending to the flesh. Where are you at? Let's talk about it. I, I've yet to, to hear the, the apostles and disciples of the Bible speak about the flesh in a way of let's tend to it, let's care for it. They spoke about the flesh in a very visceral, homicidal yeah. <laughs> way. They say, kill this thing. Mm-hmm. It puts your flesh to death. Die to your flesh. Mm-hmm. This is the way they talked about the flesh. It wasn't in a healthy way. He said... He he uh enmity with uh friendship with the world is enmity against God. 
Mm-hmm. He he wasn't talking about the world as in the one you step outside of and breathe fresh air in. He's talking about the world as in that which is the lust of the flesh, mm-hmm. lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When we connect ourselves in our friendship, LinkedIn, connected to, you know how you are with friends. You care mm-hmm. for them. When we are connecting and fostering these relationships with our emotions, fostering relationships with our sensuality. Yeah. Fostering the mo- uh, relationships with our m- uh, mentality. Even when when Paul talked about the thorn in his side, he understood that this this was needed. Yeah. Because it, if it wasn't, he doesn't know the capacity of himself. Yeah. So he understood if it wasn't there, he could have been puffed up beyond the the role of delivering the message of the gospel. Now think about that. The, us in this thorn. <laughs> Everything about self-care is remove anything that inflicts suffering mm-hmm. upon me. So when we go to the doctors, we would be like, hey, could you uh, remove this thorn right here? <laughs> it is causing me pain. It's causing me not to enjoy myself. Exactly. I don't enjoy myself in this space. And then people wonder why they're suffering. Why do good the bad things happen to good people? Because guess what? Good people only know how to be good to themselves. Mm. God people know how to be good to God. That is it. That's it right there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it right nasty. There. But, but that's all we want to do. We want to be good to ourselves. Mm-hmm. What do we tell people? Hey, you don't look so well. Take care of yourself. Charity, can you imagine Jesus sitting at a table with you and he's saying, listen, Charity, that now's the time where I'm going to have to be delivered to these people and they're going to beat and bruise me and hurt me and they're going to kill me. And you're like, listen, Jesus, you, you really... You need, it. you need to do better You need to do better. Your, your thinking mind, about thinking, yourself. Your thinking is too suicidal. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you have a death wish. You really need to take a vacation. <laughs> Knowing he got he to gotta die in three days. you like, you need to get away from all of this. You need to just... Take some time. I heard there's a good spa down over at uh, wherever, wherever they were at. No, the reality is, is the P needed people around him to constantly remind him of his higher self. So he was willing to let go of his lower self. Mm. And when people didn't, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Who did he say that to? He said it to Peter. Peter, who was reminding him the preciousness of what he had right now. Mm-hmm. We get caught up in the preciousness of right now. Oh, oh, look how precious, how precious all of this is. Look how precious she is and he is. Look how precious I am. You look at what this world is doing to me. Look at what my boss is doing. He doesn't respect me. He undermines me. He doesn't value me. I have all this black girl magic. <laughs> all of this black girl magic. Come on now, minister. You get what I'm saying? I have, I have all this black boy joy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I have, Lord, I minister. All of this stuff. Why isn't it that the world is valuing it? Why is it that, like the world is sucking it out of me? That suffering is to detach you from your black girl magic. That thorn is to detach you from your black boy joy. Because he said the joy of the Lord is your strength. Mm. There you go. That's it right there. <laughs> We're in a situation where we are glorifying self. Mm-hmm. Hey, y'all want to be feminists? Be feminists. You posted something that I said I was going to make sure that I 
repeated it in the podcast because I thought it was really poignant. Mm -hmm. And you said, God, what did you say about the actions? God judging, yeah. Oh, we love to say that God knows our heart. I didn't know how you worded it, so I I didn't want to mess it up and fumble. It's okay, but people always talk about God know their heart. Why are they saying that? To absolve them of what they've done. Uh-huh. To honor intention, mm-hmm. even though action is not reflective of mm-hmm. intention. Mm-hmm. So forget about what I did to you. God knows my heart. Forget about what you see me doing. God knows my heart. He does know your heart. That's why he gave you John 3.16. <laughs> so you can change your heart. But what I said in the thing was, God knows your heart, but he judges your actions. Scripture says... Uh, I, I don't know the scripture offhand, but the scripture says that he judges our works, whether they be good or evil. And he either sends you to the resurrection of life or to the resurrection of damnation. Mm. And he said, everyone will be judged like this. He said, he'll call us all from the graves and we will be judged not according to our hearts, mm-hmm. not according to our intentions, but ac- according to the fruit because I think the, the heart matters when he's still the savior. Mm. But when he's the judge, the actions. Actions <laughs> matter. Yeah, that's because all he the, matters. there's another scripture that says the good man produces a good fruit from the good heart. Mm-hmm. So in order for me, we keep trying to tell people and tell God, don't judge me by my output. Judge me by my input. And he's like, <laughs> no, your output is because of your input. input. The good man from the good treasures of his heart produce good works. Mm. You're not producing good works because you do not have a good treasure in your heart and you therefore are not good. This is where people keep getting fouled up is because you're not trying to preserve the good. You're trying to preserve the evil. But I think it's one of those things that, again... Uh, people have allowed to exploit. Mm-hmm. It's been a saying forever. God knows my heart. I'm still a work in progress. Yeah. But these these people who proclaim the living gospel say things to affirm what they already say, what they already believe. Never to push them towards what they say is happening. Exactly. Telling me God is working. We're supposed to be pushing you to the finished work. Instead, they they speak on cliches and and small things like haters and oh, you're gonna have haters, but that has nothing to do with why my heart is a hater of myself. Let me tell you why it's so nasty. The whole culture, the whole let's forget about church for a second. The whole <laughs> world culture, capitalism. It thrives off of debt. In mm-hmm. order to keep debt as the primary source of funding. There has to be a line of poverty. There has to be a line of poverty. How can you keep everyone progressing if you need them to stay mm-hmm. in poverty? Absolutely. So everything that's happening in the world is not to keep us progressing, but to keep us Stagnant. right where we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of you may think you're, you're wrong when you think that they're trying to get you in a worse place. They're no. trying to keep you right where you are. They and don't there need you are to certain, certain 
ratios and quarters that they have to make. So there are some people who are allowed to progress beyond the others, but it's all for a purpose. Because in order to keep you, maintain you, sometimes you got to give, sometimes you got to take. But we will mistake just like that stimulus package. Mm -hmm. Everybody got that stimulus package. Y'all don't understand where they're not trying to. That's all taxes is. They're not trying to stimulate you. Trying to stimulate the economy. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the economy works by you spending. Yeah. You like, thank you, Obama, for this stimulus package. <laughs> he, he's like, oh, well, I'm not trying to stimulate your family. I'm not trying to stimulate your well-being. I'm not trying to stimulate your, your, your place in society. I'm trying to stimulate the machine that uses you as a cog. You put your mama voice I on. Did? Yes, you did. <laughs> and the sad thing is, Charity. That's all the world is trying to do. The mm-hmm. enemy doesn't want you to manifest in the spiritual way. Doesn't want you to mature. As Paul said, y'all should have been eating meat, but y'all <laughs> still drinking milk. <laughs> who did that? Who, who put you in a place where you no longer mature? Mm. He said that. He asked him. He said, what caused such divisions among you? Mm. What caused such a stalemate? What caused such a dysfunction, a lack of growth? This is why Jesus walked past a fig tree. He expected it to have a fruit. It didn't. He cursed it. And we want God to bless us, but he does not bless what does not produce. Mm. He walks by you and you have no fruit. You t- what, this is what your tree says. Have pity on me, Jesus. <laughs> I'm still growing. And he's like, do you see the rings on your trunk? <laughs> you ain't no sapling waving in the wind. You a tall tree and you produce no fruit. So what is the purpose What's of the you purpose being of here? You? I curse you. Mm. I curse you. We keep wanting to be blessed by God when he walks by you and is not blessed by you. Mm. Because he needed something when he came by you. When he came by the fig tree, he was hungry. He wanted to see some fruit. He is looking. He said, the harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. What is he saying? He's saying, the harvest is ripe. I need people. But every time I walk up to you, you're not ready to be used. Mm. Every time he needs somebody, I'm not ready there. God's still working on me. I'm going to tell you, I got to be honest. I was working at one job. I seen, after I went through the training, I seen how hard they worked. And he said, one more day of training, then it's time for you to go. And I said, I haven't learned yet. (laughs) I said, I think I need another week because I was trying to give myself some time to work myself up to this. He said, you don't have another week. You either got this or you're off to the races. I said, oh, man, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I, I I didn't know how to get ready. So he threw me out there and I crashed and burned. Within a week, he called me in office and said, this is not going to work for you. You couldn't hold it. You couldn't cut the mustard. Mm. I had to deal with the reality of in the, in the time that I had to, to grow, I didn't. Something, whatever it was, it was a disconnect with me. Whatever it was, I did not catch on. I did not get it. And it hurt me because I realized I wasn't where I needed to be in myself mm-hmm. to be where I needed to be for them. To be able to succeed. But that was healthy. It was. I think we should all look at and kind of compare ourselves. Instead of doing these unhealthy comparisons to people, 
we should compare ourselves to Christ. Yeah. And that should be a constant comparison. Yeah. But we we don't do it. That takes us full circle back to the aspiring. See, I I, I keep giving myself excuses. Mm-hmm. I kept giving myself excuses until I got somewhere where excuses didn't work. Mm-hmm. Excuses don't pay the bills. And people don't cut checks for excuses. <laughs> no, they, they don't. They cut checks for execution. Mm-hmm. Your excuses don't pay bills. <laughs> but guess what? Then all of a sudden you want to get to heaven on excuses. He, he, didn't give, he didn't kill his son for you to get to heaven on excuses. He killed his son to empower you to execute. Mm-hmm. He told you to be holy for I am holy because he gave you the ability to execute those commands. Even when Jesus saw what was before him and he had a, a level of apprehension, he said, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Yeah. He didn't give an excuse like God. I don't, I don't know. I'm not what's, up to snuff. I'm, I, I'm not feeling it today. You know, maybe try me in, in a year or so and I build up my faith to yeah. that. But no, he said, if it be your will, it wasn't his will. All he knew, and this is where we have to be. All we know is that we are willing to do whatever he says. Mm-hmm. Now you can ask him to change his mind, but when he don't, you can't, yeah, you whatever. can't give excuses he if he says. don't. It's executing. Maybe he, he was, what's the harm in saying? Is there another way? Exactly. What's the harm <laughs> in saying that? I pray it all the time. Like, Lord, if there is another way, if there's another means of us doing this, nevertheless, if it's not, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. If you, If somebody else can't preach this word, if you need <laughs> me, I'll do it. That's the my mentality I had to end up having. Because I was, I didn't think I was qualified to do it. Mm. Everybody keep talking about the only way that you're going to get to the point where you can eat the meat instead of drinking the milk is when you say, I'm done with milk. And even when meat is hard to chew, I know this is the means of eating. <laughs> we all have to start somewhere. Got to start. I, I, trust me, every time you do something and you start it, it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Imagine this for a second. I'm not a, a person that knows about babies and stuff. But what I do know is that some babies don't latch on to the nipple immediately. <laughs> yes. And some women have to coax them and try to get them. And some children never really latch on. They have to find other means to feed them. But when you finally do, that's that they had to learn. It's not that innate. They know it's milk there, but it's not that innate. Mm-hmm. Some children never get it. Mm-hmm. You have to keep coaxing them and trying to get them to get it. And if not, find other means. Y'all's trying to get learn and understand the word, but the minute it gets hard, you just give up. As if it's not your means of survival. Mm-hmm. Come on now. If I put you at a table with some spaghetti and didn't give you a fork, <laughs> you going to say there's no dinner tonight? I'll come back to the table. It's going to be all over your shirt. Stuff. You're like, what? You didn't give me no fork, but I had to eat. <laughs> because we're going to find a way. Yeah. We find a way. We find a way. You keep people giving. They pass off. It's nasty. I'm going to tell you, it's so nasty when y'all, because of your excuses, to fund your excuses, you exclude people from you. Mm. 
So what they do is, minister, I'm not like you. That stuff don't boost my ego because I know what you're doing. You're excluding me from being human like you so you can stand on your excuses. But they're appealing to your humanity. Oh, to play the game. Uh-huh. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm just like you. And I sweat and cried and poured over the scriptures just like you need to. Mm-hmm. And those scriptures came to life to me, even when I was falling asleep on top of them. <laughs> they came to life to me because I tried. Mm-hmm. Somebody put me in a position where I had to try. I had to put up or shut up. Somebody said, we want you to preach. I'm not the one. I'm, I, not only am I still drinking milk, I literally just latched on to the milk two <laughs> months ago. I gave my life to Christ at 19. I was standing up there giving my first message within less than six months. And I... The first message I ever uh, spoke was praying is believing. Didn't understand it. Had yet to even operate in that. <laughs> but I, I didn't know what to preach. I just opened the Bible up. I said, wherever it opens, that's what I'm going to read and preach on. It opened on Hannah being wanting to be pregnant and praying. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this? But I, <laughs> Because I wanted to just focus, I didn't want to get lost in the Bible. I just went ahead and pushed through it. And I went up there and spoke on it, and I didn't know how I did it. And I was like, glad that's over. And, you know, it's funny that you say that because there is something to say about people who part of their identity, naturally, they are charismatic. And they can hold conversations and they find interest in reading and as a point of conversation. You think I always was like that, though? I mean, you know me. Yes. You think I always was? You always were like that. So I think it's hard for people to look at you and not see you, Hmm. but see the God in you. So I think that was part of the... So you don't think it's any part of me that you look at and say, that has to be God. Because I was, while I was very comfortable in myself at home, I was not a very outspoken person outside. No, I know. That's what I was saying. Like, when you look at me. Yeah, I know. Do you see the difference? Yeah, I know. But I'm saying, this could be something that people look at and they say, oh, that's just you, minister. Yeah. Because that, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, educate them just for the sake of it, so people understand. Like, I am. I I wasn't always this outspoken. No, I wasn't always able to even look people in the eye. I remember one of the most profound conversations I ever had was with my nana. She took me outside on the porch, and she said, "I noticed that you don't look people in the eye when you talk to them. I noticed that you don't you don't shake people's hands." I need you to do that when you go on this interview tomorrow. I was great going on interview. She said, I need you to look people in the eye. You're a child of God. You need to know who you are. And I said, yes, Nana. Yes, Nana. I understand. And I went and I did it. And it was hard for me because I had a hard time engaging with people in that way. Mm-hmm. That was some, That's who I was. Mm-hmm. This is why, why we cannot preserve ourselves. Mm-hmm. I look to stay in that shell. Mm-hmm. Every, it's a comfortable place. I looked, being a minister, it calls you to be a people person. Mm -hmm. Calls you to befriend people. It calls you to connect with them. That's not what I want to do. I want, what I want to do is come to church, sing a few songs, 
here's some word that I feel helps me mm-hmm. and go home and mind my business. But that's not what God called for my life because he had something better for me and I couldn't preserve me for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. And all of us are like that. You know, there's things that call you outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. As long as you try to stay within the bounds of yourself, you are actually diffusing the power of God in your life. You go to church and somebody can light the fleet fuse, and because you refuse to operate outside yourself, you spend the rest of the week blowing the fire out, mm-hmm. trying to hurry up, blow the fuse out before it actually explodes what God really purposed in your life. We just keep blowing it out. That's why Paul said to Timothy, he said, I, got, I came to stir up the gift <laughs> of the fuse that was lit in you from your mother and your grandmother. Mm-hmm. They lit a fuse in you, and you've been putting it out. I need to stir up the gift. Can't preserve yourself. This is why Paul, knowing that he was going to get put in jail, knowing that one day he was going to get murdered, knowing that he was going to die a gruesome death, still went and did because he did not do to preserve self. He did to preserve the kingdom of God. Mm. And you cannot reserve a space for you and preserve God's kingdom. No. This is not a game of thrones. It's only one throne. <laughs> and there's only there's no space for us in that room. There really isn't. That's why I love the scripture where it says, Isaiah said, in the day of King Uzziah, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. I know that we could stop there and be like, oh, he saw the Lord high lifted up. I do too. Praise <laughs> the Lord. But he said, and his train filled the temple. Mm-hmm. It left no room for nothing else. Mm. His train filled the temple. It's no room in the temple for plan B gods or plan C gods. It's no room in the temple for us. He filled the temple. God is trying to really take us to a place where we no longer are preserving self, but destroying self for the sake of a higher self. Mm-hmm. I hate using words that people have used for other stuff, whether it be transcendentalism or <laughs> Buddhist and everybody talking about the higher self. But guess what? For us, there is a higher self. He said, spirit knows spirit. Mm-hmm. And we need to be spiritual beings. And I know that every time I try to move in a spiritual way, there's something in me that gets messed up. And that feeling y'all feel in the pit of y'all stomach as you progress through your spiritual walk is your body knowing its days is numbered. Mm. It is. I was talking to somebody, I said, every time you get to a certain place in God, you stop, you turn around, and you go back. Mm. Because you can feel yourself dying. We can feel it. We can feel the way that we used to think no longer thriving. We can feel the, the, the way that we connected with the world no longer connecting with us. We can feel it. We can feel ourselves dying and we immediately try to preserve ourselves. And if we're not careful, we'll surround ourselves in churches to help us feel less of that icky feeling. I want to go to a church that don't, I don't feel like that. Mm-hmm. Church shouldn't make me feel like that. I shouldn't feel, feel like, it, y'all think it's feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling like a holy roller or I'm feeling like I'm, I'm being fake or phony. No, that feeling you feel feels fake because we call everything new fake. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> That's the truth. Anything new, we call it fake. At one point, the music that y'all love, the people, when it first was on the scene, people said it was stupid. Come on, in the time of of Patti LaBelle and all of these people, <laughs> all of a sudden there's there's these rappers and they like hip, hop, hip it to the hop. And people say, ew, what are you doing? Now all we do is hip, hop, hip it to the hop. Mm-hmm. Right? At one point before there was Curtis Mayfield and, and Marvin Gaye, there was nothing but doo-wop. There was no soul. When the soul came on scene, they said, that's too slow. We want that. Why do fools fall in love? We want that stuff. <laughs> we know what sexual healing. What in the world is that? The the the, <laughs> the new thing always. Pres- All right, minister. But the reality is, the new thing always presents a level of discomfort. Mm-hmm. And we will pass off new. We will. God trying to do a new thing in us, and we'll pass it off and say, "I feel so fake. I feel so fake." You know what feel real to me? Cussing somebody out. Now, why would I not do that? It, just because it's familiar doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. Just because it's familiar and it's been there doesn't mean it needs to stay. Some of y'all need to hear that in relationships. Longevity in a relationship does not prove the validity of the relationship. Mm. Mm. Just because you did 10 years with this person don't mean you need to do life. <laughs> it's just the reality. Or not, what you endure. Or what you endure. Just because you've been sharing your trauma for all your life don't mean it ain't time to let it go. Mm-hmm. Just because you've been grieving somebody's death for 20 years doesn't mean it ain't time to let them go. Mm. Sometimes you got to bury somebody twice. Mm. Just because you haven't did it the first time. It's, it's just a reality. That's why. I love the fact that in my life, I've been... All of these things that I never thought I had to deal with, I've been experiencing. And they prepare me for what is to come. I've had to let things go that I thought would be in my life forever. All of this is preparing me for the inevitability of death. Yeah. And the fact that there's a force, if you think this is sad, you ain't seen nothing yet. There's a many of things in your life that you're going to have to let go. Mm. And one of those things is you. (laughs) Episode 109. We're going to call this one self-love. I think that's a good title. I think it is, too. Episode 109, self-love. I'm Forrest Hall. Charity Hall. I'm Boy. I'm Girl. We out.